you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And we are bro- broadcasting live and direct from live. North Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship. You just got to get the first one in there. Just the, Whenever you change setting, when you do something different, you have to stutter. Like you have to just kind of not get your words out. Well, I stutter it's just, all the time. Because... But no, that's a unique <laughs> gift. And so not everybody has it. I'll see how quickly I can flip that. No, we're broadcasting live and direct from uh, North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship. Uh, we're in Plano, Texas for the Disciple Life Conference. It's the second yes. annual Disciple Life Conference. We were here last year and we had a tremendous time oh, um, just encouraging families to be a part of what God expects us to be a part of. That is the training and the discipleship, not only of our children, but of one another in Amen. the church. And, and I think we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. Yes. Joining us uh, for the duration of the program is the pastor and conference coordinator, Dr. Taryn Dames, mm-hmm. Dr. Taryn Dames. The emphasis is in a special place. <laughs> I would like to just say Taryn, but that's because I'm from New Orleans. But I think that there is a different emphasis. There is. That that's what I say Pastor Dames. <laughs> <laughs> I got to make it, it easy for myself. Say it properly, though, for me. It's Taryn. Taryn. Taryn, yes. Oh. <laughs> New Orleanians don't want to go to that trouble. We just want to nah. be like Taryn. Pastor D. <laughs> Pastor D. I, I just want to jump right in with content because I believe that it's going to be so much of an encouragement for our listeners. I know that we can't fully cover everything that's going to be discussed at the conference, but there is a theme here that I think is so timely and mm. so important that when I read it the first time we had a conversation about this year's conference theme, I was excited. Uh, Pastor Dames, talk about holy design and what you really felt the Lord was putting on your heart for this year's conference. Well, um, it's pretty much a lot of what's going to be shared tonight, mm-hmm. right? Um, the idea of holy design is first looking at the term, well, the last term first, mm-hmm. the design. Everything that is made, that has been made, shows a clear design. So too, us as humans, we have a clear design. Mm-hmm. Whenever there's a, a design, that means there's a designer. And the person who would be that designer made that thing for a specific purpose in which it had designed it. Amen. And so us as human beings, we were made in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. Hence, we are his design. Yeah. Now, when we look at the idea of being his design, then what purpose did he design us for? Mm-hmm. So when we go back to, to Genesis chapter 1, because mm-hmm. that's the only place I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not even going to go to chapter 2. There's no need for me to go to chapter 2 because chapter 1 explains everything. Mm. The sad thing about that is what we're going to get into is you have churches who don't even want to recognize Genesis chapter 1 mm. and so forth. And so now how can we teach people that we are specially and uniquely made for a purpose. Mm-hmm. The design was made for the purpose of the designer. 
The design cannot choose to be what it wants to be. The design cannot choose to do what it wants to do. The design is specifically made by the designer for a reason. Oh, yes. So that's the purpose yes. of design, and we're yes. going to get into that. But then the holiness. What is the holiness? Well, the first time we see this concept is when Moses was approaching the presence of the designer. Mm. And the designer says to Moses, man, take your shoes off. <laughs> Why? Because the place where you're standing is holy ground. Wait a minute. Mount Sinai isn't a holy place. It's just dirt, right? It's just mm-hmm. rock. So why was that place called the holy ground? It had nothing to do with the place. It had to do with who was in that place mm. and what he was about. And so God being in that place, wherever he is, he made the place holy. Amen. What does that mean? It was set apart for him. Yes. Amen. And so because this place was set apart for God, God is telling his creation, when you come here, you have to come, come before me in a specific way. Now, we see this throughout, especially when it comes to the worship of God, when God told his people, you can't worship me however you feel like it. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, let me tell you how to worship me. Build me a tabernacle. And here's how I want you to build it. Go get some go for it. Go get some gold. And, and, and I want it to be this size and yeah. look this way. You can't just dress a certain way. I want you to wear this type of garment, this type of clothing. And here's how you need to come before me. Oh, by the way, not anyone can come before me. Only the Levites can come before And so he gave all these specific instructions yes. on how we were to come before him, and it was always that way. So now we see that we are the design of God. He has a purpose and a plan for us, and he has set us apart for his purpose and his pleasure. So if we are not doing that, if we are not fulfilling our function, it's, it's like this. Cars were designed to drive on the road. Mm-hmm. You can say you want to get to the Bahamas, right? Because I really <laughs> want to go to the Bahamas right now. And you can drive your car down to Galveston and see how far it takes you. Not far. Not far at all. Why? Because cars, forget James Bond, cars right, weren't designed. Right, right. Cars were not meaningful. designed to go yes. underwater, okay? Yes. That's called a submarine. Mm-hmm. If you take the car out of its natural habitat, out of its context, out of the purpose of its design, and put it in an unnatural place or use it for an unnatural thing, mm. that car can never be a car anymore. Meaning its, its carness is being lost because it's not fulfilling its potential. It cannot even meet its potential because it's being placed in an environment that is not conducive for cars. You know, it's so interesting, and you've got to know, I mean, obviously, Pastor Dames, as you are watching what's happening um, in our culture today and how so many of our churches are struggling, you've got to know that this type of um, weighty discussion about holiness and about design, excuse me, and about God determining what he sets apart, like God is the author, right? So he gets to, excuse the expression, but he gets to decide the use of a thing, if you will, or what is set apart and how that's going to all play out. What do you see sort of as like the most glaring um, oversight in the church today as it pertains to holiness and understanding function and how God has created us? Well, I think one of the biggest things in the church is we have really— and I can't speak for every church. I can just speak from my observation. Sure. The church in Western civilization has moved away from the holiness of God because we seek to reach men. Okay, let's pause for a second. We've moved away from the holiness of God because we are seeking to reach men, or we seek to reach men. 
Okay, so let's go back to that and let's 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 unpack that because I think man, it is so loaded <laughs> and cultural relevance is destroying the set apartness of the church. The the attempt to reach a culture by being like that culture mm. when you were never intended to be like that culture. In fact, what made you desire to reach that culture is the fact that you're set apart, but now you're trying not to be is something that we cannot just speed by. So, so let's, let's have a conversation around that, this idea of cultural relevance. Yeah, so when I say trying to reach man now, mind you, the first thing someone would say is, well, he called us to go into all the world and make disciples. Of course. But that's not what we're doing. Hmm. Because in making disciples, and you hear this very carefully, the disciples didn't, wasn't bothered with Rome and what was taking place in Rome, the disciples were about doing the service of the master. Mm -hmm. When the disciples brought forth a message, it wasn't about an individual, um, how can I put it, um, being friendly to the seeker or being mm -hmm. seeker friendly. <laughs> the message was always about the cross. The message was always about the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer to do the work of, mm -hmm. of the ministry. And, and what has happened is we have turned where now we're catering the message not mm. to show God and his holiness, mm. which will lead man to repentance, but we turn it towards men and catering to how men feel and trying to bring them from this place of feeling to a better place of feeling, but the feeling never leads to God. Wow. It's just oh, making man, me feel so better. Awesome. Yeah. So I feel better about myself, but I'm still in sin. Mm -hmm. But you don't really, don't, don't say anything too hard to convict me of that sin. By the way, the scripture says that there's only three things. He says, Jesus said in, in John 17, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and the judgment. Well, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Come so that on. means every time we're preaching, it should be talking about sin, Come <laughs> on. how to live right, mm -hmm. yeah. and the coming judgment. Yeah. Wow. So how is it that the church isn't really speaking about much of any of that? Yeah. When was the last time you went to a church and you heard the term hell? Mm. Because hell is old school. Yeah, that doesn't exist anymore. Well, holiness is old <laughs> school. I mean, if you like, like I think even what we're talking <laughs> about today, school. you are absolutely right. Hell is considered old school preaching. It's the it's the fire and brimstone preacher that we look at, you know, in the three piece suit, and and we're just why are you flailing your Bible, right? It's the sinners at the hands of an angry God. We have progressed to the point where we don't need to be confronted with our sin. But not only that holiness is old school or worse than that it belongs to a particular denomination so like other people don't talk about holiness as if that is not the state of the believer of the follower mm. of the lord jesus christ yeah, see one, one of the things so going back to the whole thing about this cultural relativism in, in in the church we we are called to be distinct and set apart yes i am at fault just like everybody else i'm i'm not sitting here blameless I'm sitting here as a broken person saying, oh my Lord, we have done you wrong. Mm. God has not, God didn't stop from being holy because of grace. Mm. And we, we sort of make it look like we say things that sounds good. God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. Well, <laughs> I don't know which chapter and verse that is, but <laughs> it, it sounds good Come when on. you say that because right. it makes me feel good about myself, that's right? right? That's right. God, but the scripture says there's seven things that God, six things that God hates. No, seven he despises. Wait a minute. All of those were the actions of man. So if you remove mm. man, there is no sin. Mm. And, and it's weird how we can make this dichotomy between the person and sin when 
sin is the natural part of the person. That is so, hold on a second. As if, as if when, when there is sin, the person is absent. Yes. That, that it is the, that it is Impossible. the, wow. Yeah. You know, so, so, yeah. so God hates this thing called sin right. and he loves the sinner, but I'm like, what are you saying? Mm. I, I don't even know what that means because if you remove the sinner, there is no such thing as sin. So let me ask this question because I know that this, for our listeners, people are going, yes, and I have disagreed with that. What is a better way for me to express that God loves you so much so that he sent his son to be the propitiation for your sin, but he is not rejoicing over your rebellion against him? Maybe that's the way. I don't know. I mean, how do we get that point that has been the attempt, but maybe arrived at wrongly. Easy. God loves you because of himself. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know that that's difficult, right? And I know you know, because I'm watching your face. You're like, mm-hmm. now let it sit for just a little bit. God loves you because of himself. Yes. Now, Pastor Dames, again, wow, you're just kind of unloading double barrels here. That is difficult for people to process. And here's why, because of the place we began we have moved away from the authority of scripture. We have moved away from anchoring ourselves in truth. And so all of our thoughts about what God thinks about us revolves around us. Mm. And see, we don't think that's about the problem. That's Yeah, the problem. okay, so go ahead. Yeah. That's go the ahead. Problem. Yeah. Here's the thing. The fundamental question that mm. people have, right, that, that we would have, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, is like, why do bad things happen to good people and, and why? And our questions are so flawed because it's coming from a sinful state of finite man asking a question to an infinite God Mm -hmm. who created all things, right? Right. And Paul says, oh, man, who are you to speak back to the porter how you should be molded? I hear the music. Man, go ahead. You've got about 30 seconds. Can you begin to tie a bow? Just begin. Okay. We have to, again, go back to Genesis chapter 1. Yes. God made man for a purpose. God made man in his image and his likeness. When we go back to this, why did God make man? That gives us all the answers. Mm, Because God didn't make man for man to have his own pleasure. God made man for God's pleasure. Oh, amen. Listen, it should be comforting to us to hear that God loves us because of himself. Instead, we've created a culture that would bristle at that. Mm. I want to come back to this just a little bit. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We're broadcasting live and direct from North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship at the Disciple Life Holy Design Conference. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The abortion industry and their political supporters claim elected officials who support the demise of Roe v. Wade will suffer great losses at the ballot box this November. Not so fast. Another poll shows the opposite to be the case. Marquette University Law School commissioned a poll conducted in both May and July before and after the court's ruling. It shows voter enthusiasm in the midterm election favors pro-life candidates. The poll reveals an enthusiasm gap advantage of 18 percentage points for pro-life candidates. Further, there's a five-point advantage for pro-life candidates when it comes to those who are certain to vote. The key, of course, is making sure every pro-life voter gets to the poll and only votes for pro-life candidates. Vote pro-life. 
Life depends upon it. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. AFA Foundation Director Riley Wildman. A charitable gift annuity is perfect for AFA supporters with an eternal perspective like Lucy Overstreet. Psalm 78 tells us that we are to tell our children and our grandchildren and the future generations after them what the Lord has done in our lives and what the Word of God says. Lucy's charitable gift annuity will keep supporting this ministry for generations. I wanted something that would have eternal value, and that's the way I think of the American Family Association investment. Contact Riley Wildman and her staff at the AFA Foundation and find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you. 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or visit our website, afafoundation.net. My life is not about me, it's about him. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 27 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We sure do appreciate you listening, um, especially when we take the show on the road. Thank yeah, you so much for, for coming with us. I'm Miki. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's uh, Todd Delaney, Fall in Love Again. And we are broadcasting live and direct from North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship at the Disciple Life Conference, the second yes. annual Disciple Life Conference. This year's theme is Holy Design. Pastor Dames, who is the pastor of North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship, I, can't, I have to look at it. <laughs> I just want you to be aware. By the time we finish, you're going to... Yeah. I'm going to get it, okay? I but I have to make sure because I want to switch words. Um, but uh, <laughs> Pastor Dames, you oversee this church. The Lord has entrusted you with this fellowship, and you also coordinate this conference. And we were getting into really kind of drilling down deep, you know, talking about holiness. But I want to go back to this statement, God loves you because of himself. Mm. And understanding <laughs> what it means for us to be set apart. I think some people have understood holiness to be things that we do and not mm. the starting place as a set apart unto God. Uh, and then the outflow yeah. of that become the, becomes the things that we do. Yeah. And, and that's the sad thing because when we read the scripture, we see that every believer, and I'm sure you're going to be covering that in your session, every believer is set apart as holy. Hmm. So it's interesting that the believer is already holy, even though the holy thing don't realize that it's holy it doesn't make it not holy. Mm. 
holy isn't like what the Catholic Church placed on it. Um, you have to be this saintly person with a halo around your head, wearing all white garment. With a it feels ring. like something unattainable for the regular believer. Yes, be, because it's this thing out there, this lofty thing that we have to attain to. Okay. I cannot attain to holiness, nor can you. That's right. We cannot become holy. We can be made holy. Mm. Just like the designer designed us, God takes his design mm-hmm. and he places us aside and he says, I want to use you for this purpose. Yes. That's holiness. Mm-hmm. He set us apart and he distinctively said, you are my vessel to be used for my glory. Mm. That is the holy thing. Those objects that were in the tabernacle were just, it was just a candle stand and an altar and so forth. But, but why couldn't an, a regular person walk in and touch those things without dying? Because it was God's thing that he set apart right. for himself, just right. like Mount Sinai. There's nothing holy about Mount Sinai. It's just a piece of rock. Mm. But God was there, and he said, this is my mountain. Oh, it's man, like, it's like Uzzah, you know, oh, yes. when, when he touched, tried to steady the yes. heart. That seemed like a great thing. <laughs> like, it's about to fall. It's just, you know, trying to. He was trying to help. But it's just what you're saying. It's now, the presence of God. It's who's there. Yes. Now, yeah. now, yes, what's so crazy? We're going to Mount Sinai next year, right? After our uh, Israel trip, we're going to uh, Egypt to see, you know, Mount Sinai. The I hadn't gotten stuff. my invitation. I didn't know we were, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were all doing for that. The privilege. <laughs> the privilege. Who's, who's doing that? The who's privilege. getting to go to Mount Sinai? Who's getting to do that? So, okay. So it's, it's crazy because when you go to Mount Sinai today, there is no lightning flashing on the top of the mountain. There is no thunder rolling. There is no earthquake. Mm. Why isn't it holy anymore? <laughs> can we say Elvis has left the building? <laughs> I mean, can, can we say Probably that? We can't. Oh, okay. Probably. Okay. Well, wait, 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 maybe, maybe. Uh, Lightning might come. When in Tupelo, you can say it, but yeah, in Tupelo, Texas, it's right, just right. weird. <laughs> yes. In Tupelo, yes, they all get you. They know exactly what you mean. Okay, uh, but no, I get no, you. But, but God isn't there anymore. Hmm. Meaning, we know he's on my present, he's ever present. But, but the at a specific time, the yeah. manifest presence yeah. of God in the life of his people, mm-hmm. God showed up at that place to show them this is my mountain, not because this mountain is special, but because I am here. Man, it's so good. Amen. And, and, and it's not so much the place, it's the person of God and wherever he is. That makes me think about what we call church today. Come on. You know, I think you have a lot of places where the presence of God may not be there. Mm. You know, it's about the presence of God being there that makes the church, you know, as far as us to, as the believers who join together, together in that place. So it's, not, it's not just coming together in a building. That's right. You know? and it makes, it really runs a, a highlighter over the significance of in Christ now, the Holy Spirit who is God coming to indwell the believer. It really Mm. drives home this point of being holy and set apart, the place where God is, is holy, Mm. that his people um, would have to be indwelled by him in order for us to to live and walk in Mm. that truth that we are set apart. But you said something, I kind of want to go back to this, if it's okay with you guys. I'm thinking about this idea um, that being holy and being set apart that we're holy and set apart for a purpose. Mm. Because I do believe that there are so many people who are looking at the things they feel they are now expected to do, and there's this incredible battle, and they think that these things, they struggle with thinking that the things that they do, that those justify them, or that those things make them holy. But really, it is being set apart 
by the Lord, right, that the Lord sets us apart, and that is for a purpose. But then you kind of touched on this, and I want to go back to it, and you said for his glory. And I want to talk about the believer living and operating for the glory of God, what that looks like, and how we relate that to holiness. See, one of the things that has happened is that we have made this dichotomy between the secular and the sacred. Mm -hmm. And so we have this sacred life over here, we call that church. And then we have the secular life, we call it just work, our daily life and so forth. Except our work is the thing that God has given us to bring glory to him. And when we do that thing, we are now falling in line with what God has purposed us to do. Therefore, we're fulfilling the call of God. Case in point, I'm a pastor. Someone else is a sanitation engineer. Both of us, in obedience to God, do our job. We both give God the same glory. Mm. We are both in the same positions as servants of God. Mm -hmm. Individuals will see me differently and see that person differently mm. because I'm opening the Bible and speaking and that person is picking up trash. Mm. Mm -hmm. But wait a minute but God gave the job, the work for that person to do. That person wakes up in the morning and says, Jesus, I love you, and, mm. and I want to honor you this day. How do I honor you? With a smile on my face, I pick up trash. Mm -hmm. And I don't come to work late. Yeah. I don't this leave early. Yeah. I don't borrow the office pen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I Without do the intent to return. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I do this work that I'm doing because God has given me this work to do. Now, when we do that, what we're in essence doing is showing that our lives are set apart for the glory of God Amen. and everything that we do is for that purpose. But when we make it seem as, as if though coming to church mm -hmm. is a special type of, of you know, honoring God or obedience, I'm like, then what we really call church because, you know, in any congregation you go into, I like the parable that Jesus spoke about the sower and the seed, and when the sower went out and threw the seed and the ground and how there are tears among the wheat and so forth, but the whole analogy of the sower and the seed is, um, in, let's say in any given congregation, there are four people. Mm -hmm. There's the good soil, there's the thorns, there's the stone, and then there's, there's just one hanging out with the devil. Mm. And so... you. You're trying to figure out why is it sometime you preach and folks aren't getting it? Yeah. Like, 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 like what's going on? Because one of the things I say all the time, you know, Dallas is, we, we, we call this area the buckle of the Bible belt. Huge churches, and I mentioned this before. Um, if we just take 10 of the largest churches in Dallas, I mean, we already have like 500,000 people or something like that. I mean, wow. these, these churches are crazy big, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> everything's um, bigger in Texas. Yes, yeah, right? <laughs> I, but... But I question that, the authenticity of those churches being distinct, I mean holy and set apart. Mm. And the only reason why I question that is not because I think anything is necessarily wrong with the mega churches. What I have a problem with is how come God's holiness or his presence isn't now being revealed in the churches. Mm. And in other words, if 12 men minus one bring on two plus three, Oh, um, change on. the world. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew C. <laughs> if, if, if these guys change the world, how is it that we can have 
250,000 believers in DFW on a Sunday morning and Monday, the world's still the same in Dallas. You're right. Oh, man, that's We're, such an indictment. There's, yeah. there's something about the presence. If the presence of God is truly rampant like that on Sunday, where is it on Monday? Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what challenges me and that's what crushes me because we leave the sacred and we go into the secular and leave the sacred and come mm-hmm. back to it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's a part of the problem because the holiness of God, the, the setting apart of God's people, it doesn't change. Yeah. So Monday, I am still holy. I'm still set apart. So Monday to me in the worship of God should be just like Sunday. So what you're saying is happening on, on the Lord's scale. How do we remedy that? Like, mm-hmm. How do you get to the point, you know, uh, how does that look? Taking the, the, the sacred everywhere. Well, we saw those um, um, four young, young guys who were in the midst of a few hundred of them who got taken captive into slavery, mm-hmm. mainly uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, when they were thrown into the culture, um, when Joseph was thrown into the culture, mm-hmm. they represented God. What, what's, the, what's the accusation that, the only accusation that could come against these young men, teenagers, by the way, oh, we have to attack them based on their God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? Because <laughs> Daniel learned the language of the Chaldeans. Mm-hmm. Daniel learned their customs and their traditions. He became a Chaldean. So he's one of them. Or was he? Mm-hmm. See, he knew where he was mm-hmm. in this world, mm-hmm. and he knew where he had to work in this world. As a slave, he's doing that. But his heart was Jehovah God that he never left. And he says, I'm serving Jehovah God through serving Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to serve you to the best of my ability. But as soon as Nebuchadnezzar tried to place himself as God, then things change. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the holy thing will be made unholy if it ties itself to something else. Being in this culture isn't necessarily tying yourself to the culture. But becoming part of the culture yeah. is tying yourself to the culture. And, and you see, the distinction has to be made because I, I've heard over time the scripture being quoted, I become all things to all men so that some may be saved. And, but not in a way that you're talking about with, we look at Daniel and his companions. Yeah, they became certain things, but they didn't lose See, their walk in their see, relationship with God. Because that's eisegesis, right? That's, that's eisegesis. <laughs> on, exactly. And I'm not saying I see Jesus, <laughs> no, because right. I, I do see Jesus. Right. But, but you see Jesus in, when in, you t- exegesis. Yeah, see, in terms of biblical hermeneutics, you right? you got to become all things to all men. Um, people take a text out of its context to do this. You have context. You remove the first, um, you remove the text, the last four letters, T-E-X, mm-hmm. T, you end up with the first three. Corn. Come on, right. <laughs> and it's yeah. the corn people. Yeah. yeah. Because here's the thing. To become all things to all men has nothing to do with that silly, <laughs> with those silly ideologies and words. Here's why. Jesus did not become a pimp to talk to the prostitute. Mm. That's right. Because that's basically w- what you're saying. Become all, so, so I must go in the club to witness to someone from the club, or I must go through a divorce to witness to someone Mm. who's been through divorce, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense right. what people say. And so they, they, they bring the scripture down to the level of man, to the comfort of man, to give excuses for the unholy lifestyle that we have. Mm-hmm. Now, right. mind even right. going back to the Puritans, when you ask the question, well, you know, like, how do we do this? The Puritans tried, but then they went off, right? They, okay, well, let's, let's not be in the world at all. Let's just go over here and mm-hmm. let's build our community 
and let all those people go to hell. That's okay. No, God, God. See, he placed us in the world, and he left us here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Here's yeah. the crazy. Here's the crazy thing, right? He left us here to reflect who he is. Yes. Not who yes. we are or what we want. Right. The whole thing is, he left the holy object here to show that there is a holy God. Man, mm. I just don't think mm. I don't I don't think we truly understand the weight of that when we talk about the glory of God the kavod of God like the the heaviness of God the majesty of God and that the Lord has entrusted that revelation of himself to us I mean that is profound to think about that in every way that we live we are and and um, I heard this description or read this description uh, from John John Piper years ago that he said the glory of God is the going public. It's God going public with who He is. It's how He puts Himself on display in a way that we can conceptualize, right? And so I, with our kids, I'm often saying to them, "Are you allowing or asking of them? Are you allowing God to go public in your life when you do that?" Mm. Is God glorified? Is he exalted when you do that or when you say that? And I think if we begin to think in those terms, then we probably won't make those statements, which we've heard many of over the years. <laughs> yes. We've written and challenged these people that know that's not what that scripture means. But we, this is what we really do here. It's not mm. a hypothetical question. But I want to go back to something else here, because when talking about the Hebrew boys, Will the Great, you often make this point, um, man, what must their parents have placed inside mm. of them? that when they were in their moment, you know, that they did not turn away from the Holy One, that Man. they maintained their witness. Now, here is, here is what I found interesting. It, you know, as you keep a text within its context, you tend to see things that That's right. you wouldn't typically see. What most folks don't realize, the story is given with Daniel's friends in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 3. And, of course, they were there with Daniel Daniel chapter 2, right? And then is the whole book is talking about Daniel. But what I found most interesting, when Nebuchadnezzar came and he besieged the city, he took thousands mm-hmm. of the young people captive. Why we only knew about four? Mm, <laughs> come on. Come that's on. A, that's a reason. Why did we? Because the rest were amalgamated. Right. The rest just became a part of For them to culture. stand out, some, yes. some did not. They went along and did. Now, think about this. He told everyone to bow. How come these ones? Right. Why do we, why do we where, where were the next hundred? I mean, yeah. like, where, where were the next few thousands, right? Where were they? And that's what we're seeing in, in the culture right now. Mm-hmm. It's like you have remnant places crying out, and then the rest who've conformed saying, oh, they're just crazy. Mm. All right, let's continue talking about the remnant when we get back. I think that what we just said here is very encouraging to many of our listeners that you're not you're not crazy, right? Let's maintain our faithfulness to the mm-hmm. Lord. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take the break and we'll be right back. It's the last place I thought my kids would be exposed to sexual orientation. Disney decided to be politically correct with Lightyear rather than make a family movie about a beloved character. They should stick to entertaining instead of pushing this agenda. It's no accident. Young children are exposed to this issue and others much too early. You can urge Disney to stick to family entertainment when you sign the petition regarding Lightyear at OneMillionMoms.com. That's OneMillionMoms.com. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. 
there's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. We will visit the shepherd's fields in Bethlehem when we go to Israel in March of 2023. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. One of our stops along the way in Israel is to go to the shepherd's fields. This is the place where the shepherds were the night that the birth of our Savior was announced in Bethlehem or right around Bethlehem. Now, we don't know if we're looking at the actual uh, hill or not, but we are in the place that is described in the Bible. So it would have been right around where we are when we go to the shepherd's fields. That's just one of the stops on one of the days on our March 2023 trip to Israel. For all the information, go to the website twholyland.com, twholyland.com. Again, this is in March 2023. We hope you'll join us. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she's like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about, about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose, and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us, that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to, you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse, and there is no one who knows you better, and this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We are in Plano, Texas, broadcasting live from North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship. We are at the Disciple Life Conference, and we were here last year, and it was such a joy and such a yes. blessing just to see what the Lord is leading Pastor Dames to do here uh, in this local fellowship. This year's theme is Holy Design, and so we're talking just a little bit about that. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that was five featuring uh, Drew Weeks, Lead the Way. You know, one of the things that I am going to cover in my presentation on discipleship and education um, is really kind of surveying the question, is education value neutral? Like, can you have an education that doesn't present a value, you know? And when you consider that 90%, 90% of U.S. kids are educated in the public education system, and you ask a question, is that system value neutral? Does it, does it approach education from like a blank slate, just calling balls and strikes, or is it communicating a worldview? I think this was one of the things that really stirred in your heart, um, at least as you were communicating, to the, communicating this to us a, over a year ago. And 
your desire was to move your church in a position or into a position to be able to help parents explore this question mm. with solutions. Amen. Because you can't explore this question without having solutions in place for people who say, wait a minute, it's not value neutral. There, there is a worldview that's communicated, but I also am working full time. So what am I going to do? But the Lord put something unique on your heart to do for your fellowship to kind of posture the fellowship to respond to culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even as you're speaking, Mickey, just thinking about it, man, sometimes my heart is just grieved because I would have to, you know, pause and think before I speak in terms of don't want to hurt people's feelings unnecessary sure. you know, say something. Um, you know, one of the most difficult things for me to see is why we're sitting here even talking about this. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why isn't every church saying the same thing? Like, mm-hmm. why isn't this on, on the top of all of the church's radar in, in terms of training children? And because that's what education is, discipleship. Yes. Um, the church has done, and when I say the church, I'm, 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 I'm speaking to all of us. Mm-hmm. We've done a poor job. Um, because throughout the history, um, I, I heard you say this before, and I completely agree with this, that the church in America has grown up with America. Yeah, I, I borrowed that from Will the Great. I just We're one. And the two have become one to the point that when we show biblical truth, it's hard now for parents to hear, it's hard for the church to even hear, because we have given over certain responsibilities yeah. to individuals who were, who were never supposed to have those responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Right. So now to say, take these responsibilities back, why? Mm-hmm. I grew up this way. My parents were this yeah. way. Their parents were this way. Mm-hmm. We went through the education system, and it's great. And I'm like, okay, so you walk on fire. You didn't get burned, but you still say that's normal. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you well, didn't go through unscathed. Yeah. <laughs> and and and, and yeah. to say it and to say it lovingly, but to say it honestly, I think everyone sees what we're talking about. The fire has been turned up. Oh, just yeah. to use your metaphor. Yeah. yeah. So 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 what we're trying to do is just show families that you have to take your responsibility serious. If God has set you apart, if He's given you a purpose, I'm going back to the designer. Mm-hmm. If He designed fathers to teach their children to fear and love the Lord. Mm-hmm. Here in Israel, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. You should teach this to your children. Come on, now, don't do my presentation children. here. Don't do my okay, presentation, Pastor okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, 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 I worked hard on that. Come on. So, so <laughs> the fathers have the responsibility to yeah. train, right? In the home, Solomon says, son, hear your father's instructions. Follow your mother's teaching. Wait a minute, so we have a headmaster and we have the lead teacher. Mm, that's beautiful. And so Solomon is saying, here's the mm. curriculum. Mm. Now, he, my, your mother is going to train you, <sighs> but what she's giving you is what's coming from me. Mm. I'm going to go out there, and as I'm working, that's your good. mother is training you. We, growing up with culture, <laughs> what happened was the church veered off because we believe two parents have to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just now 
the norm. That is literally <laughs> like a religion. Like yeah. people believe that. Yeah. Oh no, we we, we can't. And, yeah. and and moms don't want to stay with their children. And so believe that they, they can't. Yes. Believe mm. that they would actually go crazy. Like I, I joke about this, but they're they're look, guys. We come on, moms. We know there are so many conversations that happen, sort of like you know, over a cup of coffee, where it's like, oh, I just couldn't, I couldn't teach my kids at home. I would go crazy, or I'd kill them. Like that's the that's the <laughs> yes. conversation. But I believe that's because of being shaped by this culture. Yes, and and that's the whole thing. Here's the thing: when when God sets something apart for His purpose, that thing has everything it needs already because God already provided. Mm. God would not set aside something and say to that thing, okay, now um, you have to develop what you need on your own and be set apart for me. But no, when God made man, man had everything that he need, needed at that time. When I say man, I'm speaking about male and female. Mm-hmm. God did not create male and female and said, oh, you are incomplete there needs to be 167 more genders. <laughs> what? Not. No, it, it, it was done. It was yeah. the image of God is complete, male, female. God made fathers, mothers, mm-hmm. male, female. The design was for the father to take the head um, in the household to represent God and the mother to represent the father as he's leading in God. Now, of course, we look at where culture is and mm-hmm. mess up, and the average Christian who would hear um, what turns them off is guilt. Yeah, mm. they yeah. would feel as if though, well, I yeah. didn't do that. Well, I'm I'm not doing that. Um, let me go to a church that's not going to convict me of that. Mm. Um, so here's the thing: we have and and churches have added to this. Um, we have added to this by when kids come to church on a Sunday morning. We do intentional segregation, hmm. and the and the children never now see their parents in worship at all because they don't do it at home. And so, what yeah. do we do? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. that's the mm-hmm. question. Like, what yeah. do we do, and why are we trying to do what we're doing? Because at some point, if you're going down the street and you're trying, for example, um, the freeway out here is Highway 75, and Highway 75 um, turns into 45, and you go down to Houston. Or you can keep going north, and then it's going to hit um, Oklahoma, and you can take turns and so forth to get up to California. But Highway 45 can never get you to California because it only goes to Houston. It's Galveston, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm going down the road, I'm heading south, and I know I have to get I, – I know California is north, but I keep heading south because I'm already <laughs> on that direction. Mm-hmm. I hit Houston. I, I have to get to California now. I hit Houston, and I see a big sign, Houston. I, I automatically know, oh, man, I invested in going this whole direction, paying gas and, mm. and all the food and stuff. And, man, um, <laughs> man, I got to turn around and do this all over again. That is so hard. Well, if you want to get to California, just turn around. Mm-hmm. The thing is, folks don't want to turn around. Yeah. They're, they're like, well, I've driven too far, so just let's settle in Galveston. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go down, there are some beaches in California that are beautiful, pristine. There is no such thing as pristine in Galveston. It's like a gigantic oil field. Anyway, um, that's me <laughs> coming from the Bahamas. I, yes, yes, I know. <laughs> I, 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 hey, but I, I want to <laughs> unpack this point here, though, because I think, I think you touched on something, that there is a weight that we as parents feel. I don't know a 
Christian parent, I really don't. I've not met a Christian parent, one in whom the Spirit of God dwells, who has said to me, you know, I really just don't care about my kid's eternity. I've not met yeah. one. I've not met one who said, you know, really, mm, heaven or hell, I don't, I don't know. I've not met one. But I think what happens is we feel like the we feel like we don't have any options. Yeah. And we feel like, so in your illustration here, we've got to stop, we've got to turn around. I think for many parents, they're like, hey, but I don't know that I have what it takes to actually turn this around and to do something differently because our mm-hmm. family is fully invested in this direction that we've been heading. And some feel unqualified. Like they feel yeah. like the teachers are the ones who have the degrees. I can't do it. Which has you been know. cultural conditioning, by yeah. the way. Yeah. yeah, but everything that we need to teach our kids, God has given us. But a lot of times there, there's this feeling of I can't do it mm-hmm. because I'm not qualified. Yeah. So I'm going to jump into the field of education uh, for, to, to, just for a second. I, I think I may be qualified having a Ph.D. and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> Letter, drops. So. Letter drops. Letter drops. I have a Ph.D. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. I, letter drops are fine. It's, it's okay. No, but we have thought of education wrongly. Mm. We've been trained, as you just said, to think of education as sending our kids to an institution, mm-hmm. not as the mental development of our children. Come on. Why, why do we send kids to school? Why? Because we perceive it will teach them how to learn the English language proficiently. It will teach them how to do arithmetic. Well, we thought it did. Right. We'll, t- <laughs> we'll teach them how to, you know, have the basic essentials in life to help them that when they get to this point, they can now become productive members of society. Mm-hmm. And then we've given them more Education, so let's move on to now more productive members of society. And so we've, we've created this thing that the scripture never gave us. Mm. There's nowhere in the scripture says send your child to a school. Mm-hmm. It says train them up in the fear of God. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Wisdom and knowledge comes from God. Amen. If you send your child to a place that openly denies God by telling you you came from a monkey, how now can you trust anything they say? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, how can you trust anyone who says, i.e. the government, who says a man is a woman and a woman is a man? Now, n- now no matter what you tell me, right. I can't trust it right. because you are ignoring reality. Yes. 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 And the starting so, point is bad. Yes. yes. The starting point is bad. And so the whole premise of the educational system is, is moving God out completely yes. to say education is now based on the mind, the the person themselves. Mm. And so education is leading, basically, when you remove God from education, is humanism. Yes, absolutely. And and that that is the value system of our secular education system. The, The value system is secular humanism. I mean, it begins with the unapologetic premise that there probably is not a God, likely there's not a God, and if perchance there is, he's irrelevant to what we do here. And then we send our kids to that, and then we're surprised when they deconstruct. But I, I, want, I want to make sure before we run out of time, you are offering hope and encouragement to yes. this local fellowship. And I want other pastors to hear this, because I think when we really do all share the burden, it's not just a wagging of the finger to parents and saying, mm-hmm. hey, look at what's happening to your kids. Look at how they're indoctrinating them. It's saying, no, hold on a second. We, as members of the body of Christ, we can each take up that burden and, in our own spheres, help. We are in this together. Um, I feel the burden when I see young people 
and the struggles that they're going through. And, and I must say this, and, and every parent out there must understand this. It is not the same world we grew up in. I'm That's sorry. Right. It's, yeah. it's different. The fact of technology and the fact that the, our children can get 10 times as much information we got in one year, they can get in like half an hour on a cell phone. Oh, man, seconds, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Um, before, you had to like find a magazine somewhere, and now pornography just pops up on your oh. phone just instantly, and, and a child can just be Googling Barney and something That's comes right. up crazy. That's it's, right. It's crazy. Right. And so I know um, um, what, what we're trying to do here is provide parents the tools necessary, and every church can do this, and yeah. every church should do this. We're not saying, okay, pull your kids out of school tomorrow and homeschool your kids. I'm like, no, I'm not saying that, but you should consider it, <laughs> right? You should consider it. And and then I'm like, well, listen, as a church, we can offer, there's something called the university model, right, where kids go to school twice a week and then the parents would teach. Yes. There's, there's something called homeschooling, right? Yes. That, that's what we do. Yes. Why did I choose to do that? Because I think we're more qualified to teach <laughs> our own kids. Yeah. And so we homeschool. But then there's Christian school, which in, is what we're looking at doing here mm-hmm. for, for this body, mm-hmm. looking to open a Christian school. But it's not just Christian school title. It's Christian school, meaning the goal of the school is not to train or to educate children for the sake of education, but to make disciples yes. intentionally, Amen. purposefully, yeah. unashamedly. Now, guess what? That wouldn't send a lot of people in to enroll and stuff. And I hear the music, so let me say this very quick. Everything costs. But when you have a community of people who come around, we can defray costs mm-hmm. by taking things on ourselves. That's why I love homeschool co-op. Parents are involved. The cost very low. Homeschool kids are some of the best educated in the country. So I, I believe that every church is called to do something right now. Either develop a university model, homeschool, Christian school, do something. Yeah, and the thing I think is really important is that your fellowship is doing that. You're not just talking about the problems, but you're providing solutions for parents that I think is so encouraging. Holy Design is this year's conference theme. This is the Disciple Life Conference, North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship. We are here. We'll broadcast again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Until then, Lord willing. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith. Family. 